Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. Yeah. 
3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon, currently Australian Eastern Standard Time. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Kulin Nations and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people listening in and First Nations people from all over the planet. And we acknowledge that all the lands were stolen and never ceded. Out of the Pan is a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. I'm your hostess, Sally Golden. I use the pronoun she, her, and welcome to listeners of all genders, including, but not limited to ladies and gentlemen. And, well, we opened up, um, there's lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Tell you why we opened up with um, Troy Cassar Daly and the late Slim Dusty. To get in touch with the show, if you've got queries or questions or comments, um, out of the pan 855 at gmail.com, SMS 61456751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And look for posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner AM, and very shortly on Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. Remember, any opinions I express on the show are strictly my own and not those of any organisation with which I've been associated past or present. You can also um, write to the show, PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. Don't think there'll be anything too triggering on the show today. Um, so won't, um, but we, if, if something comes up in the course of events, we will uh, give you the numbers for QLife, including Switchboard and others. Well, opened up with The Biggest Disappointment by um, Troy Cassar Daly and the late, great Slim Dusty. Um, no, not talking about the lack of LGBTIQA plus representation at the Jobs Summit. Not talking about how Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, um, has, who's 47, has dumped yet another partner just because they've turned 25. Um, we want to give a big shout out to our guest. Um, we love making our guests feel at home and sort of in line with that is one of someone who is doing a fringe show and I declare the interest that I'm working in a paid capacity behind the scenes on this show. Someone who's a frequent contributor to this show because we don't have regular listeners or regular contributors because they're all awesome, um, is the awesome Jackie Pillar. Good to have you back in the studio, Jackie. Yay. Yay. Thanks. Sally, I now have my new favourite song about being the biggest disappointment in my family now. And the irony is it comes from Slim Dusty, who my dad loved, and my dad was my big gender champion. No. But he wasn't allowed to play Slim Dusty, the Slim Dusty until Mum left the house. Yep. So, yeah, I, as, a, as you were playing that for me, I'm like, haven't heard it before. Thank you. <laughs> there we Well, look, we love to make our guests feel at home with uplifting, optimistic music. <laughs> um and um, seriously, though, you're here because you and I put on the uh, well, not quite the glad drag as someone once called it, but um, we went, we went, we went with the paparazzi. No, the paparazzi to the launch of Fringe on Friday night because you're in the Fringe Festival, which is now released, doing a show called Gold Star Failure. And if you could um, sort of lean directly into the mic and um, um, you know, just sort of um, and tell us what is Gold Star Failure about and perhaps particularly, let's start, why now? Why now? Okay, well, some of you will know and some listeners will know and some might know that 
I kind of nerd quit comedy a couple of years ago because of you know all of that other uh, virally thing that was happening that we none of us wanted. And I, I went to start a PhD about the politics of comedy. In uh, sometimes you'll see me referred to as Jackie Brady. That's my other name. Shh. Jackie Pillar, my comedy alter ego, kind of had a bit of a a nerd quit and decided to uh, sort of absorb myself back into the academy, and. I got through all of this amazing research this year in that capacity and it occurred to me that I'm doing participant observation and participatory action research. So perhaps I should, you know, put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, and see what I've learned and how it changes my comedy practice. So I wrote Gold Star Failure. There we go. Um, so, yeah, yeah, well, look, you're putting it into practice. I'm, I should just apologise to our listeners because I put Gold Star Failure into practice as a radio presenter and put on the two other guest mics and not the one that you were closest to, um, which is so apologise to our listeners if you were a bit faint in the intro, but now we've got, got that fixed. Oh, dear, the coffee hadn't kicked in. Um, it's great coffee, but it also needs a sensible user to use it. Um, thank you to Lucy and Armin um, next door. Um, seriously, so, yeah... Um, um, seriously, and we're talking comedy, um, gold star <laughs> failure. Um, you know, you, um, you're putting your principles into action. As I always like to say, when there's an upcoming sort of um, comedy type of show, um, teasers rather than spoilers. Yes. Um, so what are absolutely. some teasers about the show? Well, you know, it's interesting that culturally we define failure quite differently to the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that basically... In short, this show is about throwing the feeling of failure in the bin and burning it. <laughs> Sounds fair to me. Um, and also, you know, there's 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 some other bigger themes that I'm hoping we will people will extract halfway through it. But basically, if you read the the guide for Gold Star Failure mm-hmm. uh, on melbournefringe.com.au events forward slash Gold Star Failure, you will find that me saying, you know, basically failed heterosexual relations, I failed religion, I failed childhood, I failed the whole lot. So, you know, and I was the biggest disappointment in my family for a period. (laughs) For a period, you know, eventually people got on board and then they died. No. (laughs) A lot of people do. Um, As the two Ronnies once um, said in a few um, serials, um, death can be fatal. Yes, totally. Um, Yeah, so it's just about that feeling. And I think all of us have felt it over the last few years whether or not, when circumstances are out of our control, it's often the one feeling that pops up too. So I just sort of want to have some fun with that. And it, it's a it's a fun show. I have done comedy that is uh, more personal. This is more about systems and institutions through storytelling and some song. And as you know, my songs are a bit out there. <laughs> That's what we like. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and general stand up through there as well. And a big shout out to the team, to Sally Goldner, my producer, to director Lucy Best, to stage guru Nanu Jones, to my marketing guru Ellen Marnie, and to who am I forgetting here, Lucy? Oh, artist Gary Foster, who does I really wanted to be an anime. Ah, and you are, and yes. And I am, and if you look at this, I asked Gary to turn me into an anime, anime for this show, and I'm really excited, but now apparently I have to learn to speak like an anime. And are you practising? No. All right. Well, Failed. Failed. <laughs> well, look, we've got to, got to keep, get this show um, you know, sort of fine-tuned and in line with failure. That sounds fair to me. <laughs> 
Um, really, um, look, it is really, really awesome. I've just got to say that one of the things I'm liking about the Fringe website is after you've hit the search engine, if you perhaps didn't um, know that it was melbournefringe.com.au, the first thing that comes up is the acknowledgement of country. It's yeah. not just tucked down the bottom. I just think that's a very good idea um, Well, um, that Fringe have done there. I just wanted to give that a mention um, and shows huge respect to our First Nations people. Um, and it's a very diverse program. I mean, you're certainly on the multifaceted slash intersectional part of humanity, as well, all of us are really. Mm. Um, and I'm sorry, the other biggest disappointment I was going to mention was both Richmond men's and Richmond women's teams in the last three three days, but that's another story. Um, anyway, um, and that's but it's really important that we respect diversity. And um, while you've been on the show before and discussed this, let's just recap. Um, you know what sort of parts of diversity come in for you, and as also they failed. Well, I'm a failed heterosexual masculine male on all counts um, and also drinking mainstream Australian beers, which should be a t- which should always be a failure. Um, um, you know what they say VB stands for? What is it again? Very bad. Very bad, yes. No, sorry. That's big. Sorry. I know Victoria Bitters has a long Victorian tradition and I apologise to the state of Victoria. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it is. Um, I had a friend who used to work at some said brewery and um, what he said, I won't even repeat. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I still have that person as a friend. They just don't work at the brewery anymore. I wonder why. Um, seriously, um, no, they left at their own accord. Um, seriously, lots of intersectionality for you. And that, um, you know, if we're talking teasers, comes into the show. Tell us a bit, um, a bit about where that comes all comes in. You know, it's interesting. I... Um did something recently and somebody said, you call yourself queer. Why do you call yourself queer? I'm like, well, because sort of the waxing and the waning of my who I am as a person, that seems to be the best umbrella term and I've reclaimed it. I know for some people it's still a slur. Mm. But for me, I've, I say queer, autistic, fat, <laughs> mm. disabled human. Um, and, you know, like I walk with a stick, which it, it comes from degenerative bone disease, and I have a couple of chronic illnesses. That's why you see Peppa Dog with me sometimes. I'm not entirely reliant on my assistance dog, but I have a beautiful greyhound assistance dog who we all have to just have go, oh, for because she just had to have a bunch of teeth removed. Okay, on a count of three. One, oh, two, two, three. Oh. oh, I even failed the one, two, three countdown there. Countdown. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I am on the Spectrum, which was saying you were telling me there was a 1970s acid band called Spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I prefer to say I'm, I'm autistic. Some people prefer people, person with autism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would suggest that I carry autism around with me in a handbag, but um, it is <laughs> as effective, effectively part of me. Uh, yeah, and I, I come from a family of all uh, people challenged with uh, disability and mental health issues in the 1970s when – you know, there really wasn't a lot of services. My mm. dad was 20 years older than my mother and they were quite pariahed as – we were quite pariahed as a family f- at that time because that was pretty – you know, that mum was in her late 20s and there's a whole lot of politics around that as well. But, yeah, that's a few of the intersections. I think I've <laughs> disabled, queer, autistic. Yeah, and, you know, one of the interesting things for me with performing is I, I have um, – I, and sometimes I say words wrong, so I'm probably going to get this wrong. Synesthesia. So I mix my senses are mixed up, mm-hmm. and part of that means I get vision disturbances in my vision and bright lights and fluorescence and artificial lights 
effectively exhaust me. And if mm. I'm exposed to them too much, it can literally, you know, take a couple of days out. And throughout my life, I've had to have long periods of time off because I didn't really understand how this affected me. As I've got older, you know, I'm 52 this year, I've got heaps better at knowing what kind of lighting and what kind of conditions are good for me. And until really recently, stages weren't great for that, you know, the insistence on bright spots and things like that. So this show, we're trying to make as sensory-friendly as possible Mm. for me as well as for anyone in the audience who might be neurodiverse. Well, look, I'm I'm all for that. Um, you know, I'm you know we need to make it inclusive. Um, you know, from my point of view, um, as people know, I'm a, a halal snack pack. No, another form of HSP. <laughs> um, highly sensitive person. We have the same thing with, um, you know, sort of um, bright lights. Or if someone comes up and yells at me, as a former manager did, who victim blamed me, not naming anyone, <coughs> um, and um, that sort of thing, and then um, says that they don't know how to talk to me, well, just stop yelling at me and stop doing outbursts at me and we'll be fine. Um, I'm totally with that. So, um, um, yeah, um, I think this is, all, this is awesome. Clap, 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 in, um, given that Clash in the Castle was on this morning. Um, <laughs> that was a wrestling reference, because we, and we've got it out of the show, out of the way, and 17 minutes in. That's really good. <laughs> um, um, I should go for a record, see how quickly I can naturally put a wrestling reference into this show. Sorry I'm rambling. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it is really important. And coming back to your show, which is what this, this interview is about, um, of course, there's a sensory-friendly show for one, one edition yeah, of, um, of yeah. your season. So every night we're aiming to keep volumes at a good level, which means I sort of have to think about talk. You know, I work with the text to make sure because I can have quite a loud voice. I don't have good tonal recog- um, recognition. Not recognition. There we are. File. I, th- I thought you good. said tonal, by the way, too. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't have good control over my tone, and I can be loud when I'm not meant. To that song had that in it. I can't believe it. Troy Casa Daly singing about being too loud and. The wrong times. Um, so, I mean, I, I have to think about this a bit and work with the tech to keep sort of nice and a nice lighting condition so that it's a little more sensory friendly. Mm. Um, also, the sensory friendly night, which is on the Sunday, is going to be earlier in the evening, which means people have less overload, less that sort of that sort mm. of thing. There'll be room to walk and pace and stim and flap and do whatever you need to do. For those who don't know what stimming is, yes, it was what we all got in trouble for in the 70s at school, known as fidgeting or fiddling, yes. but most of us were using to self-soothe. That's right. You know, sit up straight, stand still, sit still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, That's why I failed childhood because I couldn't do any of that. Yes. I, I, I by the way, do have my, my four um, stimming friends. They're, they're always in as usual, um, um, soft toys, and you can you know, rub, 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 transfer yeah. energy out. Um, yeah. So, yes, bring your your soft toy friends uh, or, any, or um, yep. you know, anything you need to stim, although perhaps not letting off firecrackers or something. No, <laughs> only, kid, <laughs> only kidding. Yeah. So, we, so we're aiming to make... Each night, sort of, and I've interspersed in the script development, you know, sort of volume levels at different times so that you get to a bit of a reset. You know, some comedy shows are loud from the beginning right through to the end. Mine has loud patches, but even then we'll try and manage some volume control over those. My piano is not going to be up hugely loud, uh, which is good because I'm a re- not, not a great piano player yet. Mm. <laughs> you won't hear some of the mistakes, which I'll... Do a Lucille Ball face around, but <laughs> yeah, because you know that's how I learned my facial expressions. Thank you, Lucille Ball. Um, and while we're on thank yous, thank you to Melbourne Fringe for mm. uh, 
being in the festival hub, I'm really excited. And the show is called It's About Time, and that's particularly personal. The theme for Melbourne Fringe this year is It's About Time. And there's an incredible load of, you know, it's all about time because we've had such a big break from a fully-fledged festival. But also it's about time for many of us who haven't, you know, haven't come back or have struggled. And I know a lot of artists out there, um, big heart vibes and Mm. big holding space for us all, you know, it's been quite hard time. Yeah, look, it's certainly been a difficult time. And I've got to say that, um, you know, given that there weren't official launches for the last two years because of the plague um, that was was there and stuffed things up, to go to the launch on Friday night and just get, um, we'll say, the good parts of the neurodivergent energy, just the art, the artistic people were there. I, I just, I felt like that was a tonic. I mean, we, mm. uh, all of the, all interesting, all of your team on, you know, on stage and off have some form of neurodivergence, and we all couldn't take the loud music or the hubbub <laughs> after a while, which I found quite. <laughs> Quite cool in a way, yeah. but um, the sort of people stuff and seeing people I knew, it's just, it is good to be back out there and lots of queers everywhere as well. Yeah, um, it was wonderful. We got the energies we needed and I think that um, your your awareness of that is really cool and that you put it in the show um, and I think, I haven't had a chance to check the stats yet, but it seems like there's a mountain of trans and queer stuff as well of interest to this show, although we love yeah, all forms of diversity yeah, too. Yeah. And, and and while we're on that, I want to give a shout out to Anna Piper Scott show that, uh, that yeah. she's organising, and it's called. T- I'm going to take my glasses off so I can read. So there's my other intersection. I need like two different types of glasses. Oh my goodness. Um, T for T, a transgender showcase. Mm-hmm. And I love the tagline on this, ladies and gentlemen. This show is not for you. This is <laughs> this is a show for everyone else. I just love it. Um, so dates 18 to 23rd of October, 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. time slots, and it's in Trades Hall in Solidarity Hall at the Festival Hub. I just think this is very cool. So yeah, look that one up on the Melbourne Fringe website. T4T, a transgender showcase. Big shout out to the work of Anna Piper Scott bringing that one together. Two awesome, yeah. Look, Anna, Anna Piper Scott um, does great stuff on stage, off stage, um, and I think is um, is really really awesome. It's just great to see. Um, trans, always great to see trans performers out there. It's still really important that you know people can um, connect to someone um, as close as possible to themselves, whether it's trans, non-binary, neuroprocessing, yeah. including autism and HSP and all the rest. Um, so really, really excellent um, that um, um, that's what's um, you know sort of. Um, um, that is happening now. There were lots of other things that um, we we ha- I, we had to talk about. Um, perhaps we might we might just take a breather because I'm having a bit of HSP overload um, <laughs> as the presenter and just take, um, gather our thoughts. Um, and I've got another I've got another track for you from a totally different genre. Um, I'm, I'm just this is like a bag of surprises. I love it. This is like. Yeah, if I did Christmas, this would be like Christmas, but <laughs> I do Christmas. <laughs> oh, I, um, well, as we say in Jewish, Kretzmach. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that's what we say. Um, let's have a listen to another track that's related to Gold Star Failure, 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Sorry that the chairs are all warm 
I left them here I could have sworn These are my salad days Slowly being eaten away Just another play for today Oh, but I'm proud of you But I'm proud of you Nothing left to make me feel small Luck has left me standing so
The Boldness, campaigning for human rights for people with disabilities. Join us every third Wednesday of the month at 6pm on 3CR. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. The 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR on demand, out of the pan with Sally and guest, the fabulous Jackie Pillar, talking about gold star failure. Prior to the messages, we went all gold and heard from Spandau <laughs> Ballet and gold from a a huge three CD box set, 40 years, <laughs> the greatest hits, where they've got the big singles, other tracks, and then um, the 12-inch dance mixes. Um, um, three CDs, you can give till my age, and I don't flap and well care. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I have, was just having major memories from my teen years trying to come out as non-binary in like the 80s when it was... Yeah, I mean, I got a haircut with an undercut, and I was bullied at school because you know, like the the whole re- reference to being bullied for being apparently lesbian, which was really interesting. <laughs> Not, <laughs> but gold. You know, I just the, the lyrics of these songs crack me up. Also, Spandau Ballet. I was obsessed with Spandau Ballet. Yeah, um, I'm you know, I'm not quite sure why, but maybe it was that song. Oh, look, it, it could have been. Um, it, it stuck in your head for around 40 years and now you're doing a show called Gold well, Star Failure. Failure. Mm. So maybe that's where it um, it came in, um, all the gold came in. Um, um, so what um, what else What else has got now? Of course, um, there's plenty going on because you said um, at the start that you decided to put your um, proverbial where your mouth is, so to speak, um, <laughs> because you're doing... A PhD. Are we allowed any updates on that? Yeah, it's been going really well. I've done 20 interviews and those interviews range uh, for people who are what I am calling. I'm trying not to put labels and taxonomies on any of the people I talk to interview and work with because the whole point of this is centering the voice of comedians about their experience in the political and social political pressures of putting on any kind of political content. So I am, you know... I, but I, I don't, but I sort of loosely use the term grassroots for people who don't have big mainstream careers but have had consistently committed careers through over a period of time. Uh, the people like me who are quite happy to work three jobs and do comedy when you can but really passionate and continued about it, right through to people who are very big mainstream names, to people who have left the industry and be cut, taken on other professions and roles but still keep an eye on it. Uh, which has been great. Those interviews have been amazing uh, because I don't – there are massive amounts of data that's come out of that. Look, next year you won't see me. I'll be hiding under a desk in the library crying. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> true. Um, 
But and then we've done two satire experiments, and these satire experiments involve a bit of a crash course in in kind of doing political impersonation that's more subtle, uh, or you know, playing bureaucrats or billionaires or people that are associated with government who are not supposed to be necessarily. Mm. And then we do an hour workshop brainstorming a Graham Norton style. A panel interview panel, and then they perform that in front of a select audience of of nerds and and academics usually, and then at the end of that, there's an unpacking session where people go, "Wow, you know." So the range is the two of those have been people with lots of experience in the first lot, and the second lot were people with not as much experience, or maybe I've got that around the wrong way. Fail. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and then we'll do another one, uh, probably because these were all around the federal election. Mm. So the next one will probably be around the state election down here. Mm. And then hopefully by December I've got enough data. I've probably got enough now. But, yeah, really interesting bunch of people and the themes are diverse and wide that have come out of it. And I haven't had a really good analysis of it yet. But, wow, it's been – I just feel really humbled and really honoured and privileged to those people have given my time, their time to me. Mm. Yeah. Oh, look, it's 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 really huge. I mean, I think we need to know what's going on and why. Perhaps political satire. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll try to be the open-minded academic here, but you know, has thing have things stalled? Are we not doing as much? Have mm. we, you know, did in the 21st century? I mean, my subjective thing is, like, I just sometimes feel we've got a bit more selfish in the last 40 years since the hippie 70s. Um, it's all this individual freedom stuff and maybe political satire has been lost, which paradoxically is why we probably need it more than ever. And it's interesting, I think, from what I can say, is that even the definitions of satire need to be tweaked at the moment and this recognition of that in the literature. But uh, there's a, a um, academic, and now I'm going to probably get his name wrong, I hope not, Connell Condren, who is talking about the fact that it's quite naive to try and put limitations or boundaries around what is satire, mm. you know, and, and to try and put a taxonomy or labels on, on that is, is quite naive now. And that's, you know, a really changing digital world, a lot more diffuse performance opportunities because there isn't, I would argue, that there isn't the opportunities that there was that some people who were talking to me about 30 years ago said there was in terms of live performance and now we, you know, obviously there's pros and cons of being able to put your work on YouTube, but there's a whole lot of interesting stuff coming out of that that it's a bit hard for me to comment on at the moment. But mm. um, in that space, you know, it's – so I suppose the satire definition I'm using now is there's a whole lot of techniques of satire and, you know, it includes parody through to impersonation, through to more subtle things like Clark and Dorr. Uh, over-identification is what I'm looking at is when people – are over-identifying with the topic they're talking about, meaning they've got lived experience in it or all of those sort of things. And that's sort of woven through what I'm seeing as satire in Australia is changing is that it's more woven through shows and it's not just the odd political reference I'm talking about. It shows that tackle political content. So, yeah, there's some real shifts. And the why, I don't know whether I'm going to get to the why. I don't think anyone can. I think it's too big. But I certainly can be able to talk about the pressures on that and come up with some shared collective views on because there are some very clear themes coming out. But mm. again, haven't I need to sit down for a good year and troll through everything over and over again and then come out with some you know, and then go back I also go back to the cohort that I'm studying with, the comedians and, and check things. 
make sure I'm not getting things wrong in that time. But yeah, it's been, I, yeah, I, I still look at the, the data and I just go, wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, what was the original word limit on your PhD or whatever it was? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> and and, and, the net, and um, that means it can have blown out. Well, I can't answer the next There's question. There's probably is, a few books in it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think in some respects it's got narrower and in some respects it's got broader, which is a pretty typical PhD journey, I'm told. Yeah, well, it's non-binary. That sounds it's fair. It's totally non-binary. Sounds fair to me. And, of course, the other thing, another thing that comes to mind is, of course, what I'm going to say, oh, the word that came to mind was past as comedy, but, of course, it, that, and this seriously should have been a fail if I'm, I'm really being paradoxical. I mean, the things that, we, you know, um, were comedy um, when I was a, a smaller chop person, a younger person in the 70s, um, you know, the, the things that people were doing for comedy where they... I don't like this phrase because of the violence implications, but people will understand the phrase punch down and they, mm. you know, took out stuff on groups they should ne- um, that weren't theirs to take down on. I mean, it was still happening um, in the short... When I did a short run of stand-up, my bit of experience, I'd have people, cisgender people, come up to me and go, like, this really funny trans joke and they'd tell it to me and I won't repeat them, it's not worth it. Mm. And I'd just sit there and go, huh? Oh, but it's hilarious. No, it's pathetic. Um, and, of course, I think that... You know, it's sadly been that. But I think now we're seeing, so there's two things here, um, you know, sort of um, how do we manage um, what we do in stand-up and how, you know, um, coming getting out of PhD mode and just um, putting your comedian performer back hat back on, um, how, you know, how do we work through that? You know, because it can be um, challenging even if we do, um, we'll say, self-deprecating comedy, which as I always understood it was good comedy. Yeah, and I think, I'm, and and when I say this now, I put the disclaimer on it very clearly, caveat, disclaimer, caveat, disclaimer, that this is me speaking about my own practice as a comedian and there is no intent in anywhere in this PhD for me to speak on behalf of the comedy industry or even the individual mm. comedians. So I can only talk about my own practice. And for me, there's the complicating factors of the sensory things that I was talking about that mean I, I struggle to perform in open mics and get stage time that way. So I <laughs> test out my jokes on friends and family and the dentist the other day. <laughs> um, the dentist, my pharmacist, I think they're both coming to this show. <laughs> um, I seem to see. Marketing, bums on But, and, and you know, I, I, have, I have a lot of, you know, I do. I've done some community TV. Um, shout out to Gavin Henderson Event TV on Channel Thirty One, a show I did last year called Talkist, uh, which gave me some experience, I suppose. But uh, how do we manage this? For me, it's about talking about big picture issues and structures, and using my own experience in that. And even, I mean, some people were shocked when um, my mum passed away earlier in the year, and. She approved things that I talked about when I talked about even the tension between her and I. That only came about because as she aged and I aged, we were able to have those conversations. But, um, I mean, there's some content that I use that is, you know, that some some members of my family's ears might prick up and go, I wonder if they were talking about me. <laughs> um, but it's generally very, very generalised and it's talking about the systems that we've bought into intergenerationally. It's not talking about them as individuals or blaming them in any way, shape or form. No, nicely um, put, yeah. So I think that's my approach 
and and maybe that does become because I'm a massive nerd and <laughs> Mm. I am trying to look at everything with context and nuance, which does create some interest in things for me in joke construction. So I was fortunate enough to do a couple of courses in, over the, the last 12 months and learn a lot. And I think I can probably distill down some of my complexity a bit better now. But then there's that space for interpretation, always present. A really well-constructed joke can still be interpreted in a way that is perhaps negative. Mm. Um, but I suppose it's about minimising that if you can. And look, I just, I'm just i just fighting for a space for the arts to be in it. So we have to know what hate is. We have to be able to recognise what hate is. And at times it is the arts' responsibility to shine a light on that. Mm. How we construct that with content warnings, how we construct that in this very formal space that we make construct this is a show about is is important. And I think the current challenges are things around what I was talking about before with how diffuse performance opportunities are now, people mm. getting on YouTube. I do talk a bit about citizen satirists and these are people who consider themselves satirists and comedians on TikTok and on uh, you know all digital platforms and how sometimes there's a danger they're not defining their space very well and they're opening themselves up to risk of defamation. Um, or risk of other attacks from powerful people, uh, which is still a present risk for anyone who is in a formal space. So, yeah, sorry, I am getting well lost in the research there. But, yeah, there's certainly some challenges and I think it, it we are moving towards more context and more nuance in, in the way that we talk about comedy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether my research is going to contribute to that that much. It's just one PhD. But I I hope I do a little. (laughs) I think you're – look, I think you're being um, somewhat modest there. I think it will contribute a lot um, when it it comes out in, as you said, um, because it's getting bigger in about 2027 or something. But (laughs) 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 But, um, that – you know, and fair fair enough. But I think it is an an interesting thing. How do you – you know, it is an interesting topic to consider. I mean, I look at some of the things that I grew up with and on TV and you didn't think about it then because no one put across the alternative viewpoint and now yeah. it's like, oh, and it's how do we hold space for that if some of us, you know, middle-aged chooks in pans, um, you know, grew up with things that by nowadays the material was not so great and let's be honest, and, um, but can you admire the skills of the comedian, that that sort of thing, and when it hits our emotions it might stop us looking at things from another way. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that expression, it hasn't aged well. However, I want to put a disclaimer with that. We're not ageist. We're not suggesting mm. that age is something bad. But when they say something hasn't aged well, there will always be parts of it that probably is still applicable. Mm. Um, but the context, I mean, I had a quote in a presentation I used the other day from Max Gillies, if you get to see his Australian story. He did an Australian story. Oh. Um, I might be wrong, perhaps it wasn't an Australian. Anyway, it was all about Max Gillies very recently, who was a big political parody. Of played played Bob Hawke beside Bob uh, Hawke. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and was very good at it and, you know, in the times of the comedy company and all those other things in the 80s and 90s. And he, there was a line he just said about, you know, people are saying you can't say anything and he's like, I think that's rubbish. Basically, it's all about context. If you get the context right, and you do it with nuance. That's not exactly what he said, but it's a really good line about it. It's always been like this, and and I think communities 
you know, will decide what what they're prepared to support. Mm. And we still have free will. And yep. even though algorithms may make us feel like we don't have as much free will, you know, we we can choose to scroll on by. <laughs> well, that that's the thing. We have the choice. I mean, <clears throat> um, just a couple of things there. Yes, there were um, putting Max Gilley's Australian story into a search engine. Um, it comes up very quickly on abcnet.au Oz story unmasking Max Gillies. Mm, it's um, very good. Yeah, um, I I liked his I liked his work. Um, um, both on TV and on, I remember on stage once where they were they pretended to have journalists in the audience, and uh, one ju- one journalist goes, "Mr. Hawk, Mr. Hawk, over here on the left," and he goes, "Ah, I didn't turn, I don't turn that way." Um, <laughs> um, so <laughs> good stuff. And I've had, I don't want to be self indulgent. I had the pleasure to meet Max Gillies once, and he's a very nice man. Hmm. Um, so um, you know, um, <clears throat> I think that that's the sort of thing we need. Um, let's just have another quick track. Um, I can't wait for the next one. I'm like, I know that Sally's thought about this, so it's like I'm still going in my head. You are gold, gold. Well, kind, kind of gold. But I went out. <laughs> I went when I went out to a well-known um, record and <clears throat> electronic store yesterday to buy music. I found um, one of my favourite artists, and possibly if I ever get to meet him, he'd probably be my favourite human as well as a musician, Colin Hay. Um, Ooh, nice. Put out a new record, a new record. See, there's an intergenerational learning, um, a new CD um, recordings thingy, doodad, 2022, and the album is called um, uh, Lost and Evermore. Um, lo- uh, sorry, Love um, um, Now and the Evermore. But here's a track for being on the stage, Into the Bright Lights, um, on a ch- um, which I've only really listened to once, but I thought that seems appropriate for today. Um, 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest from Gold Star Failure, Jackie Pillar. Secretly scared we'd get lost Up in the clouds Over the town Beyond the wall Some of us knew we might fall Under the weight of it all And though we'd been warned Of the oncoming storm Soon. 
too fast to look down at the rooftops and trees and my family waving at me so from the moonlight straight to Councils around the country will put on (laughs) Disability Day events and quite a few of them will not include people of colour, First Nations people and black people. So I think it's pretty cool Mm. that everyone you'll hear on air today will be a person of colour and the majority of them will be people with disabilities as well. I think when we were preparing for this show and for this day, we wanted to talk about how we could explain the concept of power from the margins and why it is that we've chosen to focus on black people, indigenous people and people of colour. And I think in in one word, it's intersectionality. It's the fact that people experience forms of oppression, different forms of oppression at the same time. And most people don't realise that you can't have racial justice without disability justice and vice versa. We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. 3CR, 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org. Org.au and 3CR On Demand. Why is it that the cough always comes up after you've been on air for 10 seconds? The joys (laughs) of radio. Um, And my guest, Jackie Pillar, we're just about to wrap up the show. Just before I um, wrap things up, so to speak, Jackie, um, just to mention, we're in Celebrate Bisexuality Month. Hooray! Woohoo! And um, declaring this interest as an unpaid volunteer organiser, helping out a little bit on the third Stand By Us conference. Um, starting on Celebrate By Day on September the 23rd. Lots of online stuff um, covering advocacy and um, dressing for non-binary people and all that sort of thing. Cool. Um, great work done by Riley, Jay and Anthony to get that together and we're launched. Um, hopefully be chatting with them in a couple of weeks. And next week we'll be chatting to the um, author and a con- um, the editor and a contributor of Nothing to Hide, a book of um, trans stories aimed at the mainstream. So lots of things what are coming up. Um, and also um, coming up um, 
in around eight minutes' time, if you're listening live. Um, Freedom of Species, all things animal advocacy, vegan and vegetarian. And don't forget Friday night's Queer Television on Channel 31 slash 44 um, with Lance TV and other things and for Trans People's Seahorse on next weekend. Mm. Um, lots of queer stuff happening. Um, and, um, well, um, and thank you to all the people who have been tweeting photos. Um, there are two... Um, very quiet um, sort of um, pe- there are two people talking and there are two others in the studio the wonderful Pepper who's um, sleeping very very beautifully but I'm going to have to say it you weren't of course a complete failure because the fourth occupant of the studio is here your um, your, chauffeur, your chauffeur and child um, <laughs> my, my offspring as I call them yes yeah. <laughs> the offspring yes definitely gold star success there um, and now I've made them blush and I have to <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so once again, gold star failure. Now, when we, when we are who, what, how, um, why? Because you want to come along and have a laugh because it's comedy is part of the fabulous diverse Melbourne Fringe Festival. But um, when we are who, what, how? How do how do people um, get to um, come along and be a part of gold star failure in Fringe? Certainly, from the sixth to the fourteenth of October. In the music room in the Festival Hub, which is Victorian Trades Hall at the corner of Ligon and Victoria Streets. And the show starts at 5.45pm. So what I suggest is that, you know, you go come to the show and then go and get some dinner. It's a perfect time to finish from work, pop in the car, come to the show, or if you're not, if you work in the city, come to the show and then head to Ligon Street or wherever else you like to eat and eat. Um, I think it's a great dinner and a show recommendation. It's... 5.45 p.m., it's in the music room, which is sort of down the back of the venue, <laughs> yeah. where I belong. Queers out the back. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, big shout out to all the asexual folks in celebrating our, our sexuality month. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's yeah, 6th to the 14th. Now, I knew there was something I forgot, except for Mondays. I don't do Mondays, and most of the festival does not do Mondays. Mm-hmm. There's two Auslan interpreted shows, and while we're on that, have a look for the secret life of a sign language interpreter, who is my interpreter, Ben Richardson. Woo, woo. Or is, you can't see it in the studio. We're but... doing the cheer, the Auslan cheer. That's right. Um, he's doing a show which is in part of, you know, obviously has some educational for people who don't. You can learn Auslan swear words, and you can also learn all of the uh, signs for politicians, which are hilarious, some of them for <laughs> prime ministers and etc. Oh. So Ben Richardson, The Secret Life of a Sign Language Interpreter at Loop Project Bar. So have a look for that one. But, yeah, 6th to the 14th, 5.45pm. Eight shows, except for Mondays. Tell me why I don't do Mondays. Mondays. And at 4.45pm on the Sunday, which is important because that's the relaxed, sensory-friendly show, which I hope games a whole lot of neurodiverse people to that show. It's it's wheelchair accessible. It's Auslan interpreted. And I use images and I give you funny image descriptions for every image I put up <laughs> because it's important to have image descriptions as well. Oh, phew, so I've just tired myself. Sorry. <laughs> No, all sounds reasonable to me. Look, it's, um, um, once again, just for the record, disclosing that I'm working on this show with you in a paid capacity, but it's just an absolute joy. And to any queer um, artists in particular, but if there is some form of diversity, um, if you want me to pop a mention on the show in the next few weeks, Fringe not opening for a few weeks yet, but the program is launched, um, you know, sort of um, pop them in um, because and we do need to support our diverse artists, as we said, Um and we are sadly out of time. Gosh, it, it flies. 
Jackie, always a pleasure to um, have you in. And, of course, today back in the studios, we get more back to in studio, which is even um, even more fun than even being on the Zooms. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you to Pepper, the Wonder Assistance Dog and Offspring. Um, and um, everyone, thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. Take it out today. This is nothing to do with the show. The musical theme is now broken because I'm a gold star failure. But uh, <laughs> seriously, it's one that I like to play around this time every year, <clears throat> um, um, being the Eagles with Joe Walsh on lead vocal. Um, with a de- it's a dedication to someone who matters to me or people who matter to me. It's pretty maids all in a row. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. Places to go